Hello and welcome to A Week in Politics, episode 31. We're flying through now, heading towards that 50th episode special. We're joined by Odysseus and Albert as usual, and we've got a great episode lined up for you today. We've got lots of news to talk about. A lot has happened in the past two weeks since our last episode. Uh, Room SW1 resumes, and we go to the penultimate episode of the Tim Farron Cup, sponsored by the LGBTQ Foundation, where the final will be next week. So it's all to play for between Odysseus and Albert. But let's go straight into the news. Uh, the first news we're going to start with is the the big sort of uh, drama going around our the British royal family and Meghan Markle at the moment. Obviously, there was the huge interview with Oprah Winfrey between Meghan and Harry, uh, which they spilled some gossip on the royal family and what it's like to be inside of it and what went wrong with the breakdown of communications. I'll start with you, Albert, first. I know you're, you know, we've got Albert, the anti-royalist and me, the, you know, huge royalist for the podcast. Um, what did you think, Albert, of the of the what's going on the drama? Well, uh, it's interesting. I mean, my feeling is still like, regardless of how like all the drama and gossip around this, it's still not the biggest problem like facing the royal family in terms of like, oh, well, I saw that headline that was like the biggest royal crisis in 85 years. And it's like, yeah, what about Prince Andrew? Like they have a, a guy who literally should be investigated like as a criminal, like he should be in a courtroom. And, yet and, that, and that was from the Daily Mirror as well, Albert. That was yeah, from yeah, a, a left-wing tabloid. But like, to me, this is like such a minor problem compared to Prince Andrew, who was like friends with a convicted paedophile and yet is just allowed to get away with it, essentially. Mm. Uh, so that's my thoughts regardless of this. In terms of what they said, really, I don't think there's anything that crazy. Like, even this racism allegation is against one person, like one which, member. Which I can, I, I think I know who it is. I'm not going to say because we don't want to no. get a libel claim against us, but um, I, I think it's obvious who, who it even, is. It's not, it's not Philip, because... You know. No, I mean, it, that doesn't really necessarily say that they're either institutionally racist or racist as a family. Like, I don't think that the Queen sits around, like, you know, being racist to people. <laughs> like, I mean, she might do. You never know. She, she might do. She's 90. I mean, you know. She, she is 90 and, and is a boomer. I mean, she, well, she, uh, earlier than a boomer, she's, um, you know, there is a possibility. But I, anyway, I'll go to Ollie next before, I, before I, we dissect this a bit further. What do you think, Ollie? What's your initial thoughts? No, I completely disagree with both of you. I think this is a huge, huge issue for the royal family. Well, you can't disagree with me. I haven't said anything yet. <laughs> no, you agreed that it wasn't that important. Uh, but basically, what I was going to say is think that what this whole debacle, and not just this interview itself, but Meghan Markle's entire treatment as being a part of the royal family is basically showing that the combination of the British media, the British public, and the establishment of the royal family is that uh, these three things basically mean that like a black person in the British monarchy essentially can't really happen. And in a multicultural country where racism is socially unacceptable, there's a lot of people who are black and British, that's a huge problem. Uh, and it essentially for me means that the royal family, not just the royal family, but like probably other aspects of society will either have to like sweep this under the carpet, which is obviously the most likely thing, or will have to reform or be abolished. But um, I do think that, because it's so obvious that may, like basically all of the problems descend from Meghan being black, or, or, you know, uh, have black relatives or whatever you want to say. Um, and so, yeah, I think that the fact that this has happened just really abundantly clear, it's just really abundantly clear that there's just a problem with someone black being in the royal family, which just isn't compatible with modern Britain. Um, so that's a huge issue. Mm. You see, I agree with part of that. I agree with part of what Albert's saying. I think it is, 
for me, it's sort of in a way, I think from a communication standpoint, this is sort of a bit of a blessing for the Royal Family. People are saying it's a crisis. I don't, I think it's, it deters so much away from the Andrews thing, which is, which for them is worse. If, if Andrew was proven guilty, it'd be the, you know, shocking. Worse than this, because they can play this down. You know, it's, it's claims. It's not, there's no evidence that they can back it up. It's Megan's word against the royal families. But I agree, Oddie, yeah, you know, it, it is, it, it stems down to the media's treatment of Meghan Markle, which is what, where it stems from. The media are scum when they've come to this. They are the horrible, horrible people. A horrible in, uh, establishment and institution is the, uh, is the media in this country because they, they pinpointed her in the royal family because of the colour of her skin, not because of who she was and what she did. It's because of the colour of her skin. Then I go to the interview and that's my initial thought. And, and then I think, you know, her saying about suicide and mental health, that's a huge thing. It it's, shows a lot. And it's a, very similar to Diana, uh, very similar to what they both went through of being outsiders coming into the royal family. And it's key. It's, it's, it's evidence that, you know, it shows that it, they don't take well to outsiders coming in um, to the, you know, to the main part of the royal family. And then I look at it and then think these claims that she that she made that she said she never researched the royal family or what the what they did. And, and then I lost a bit of sympathy for, for her and Harry. She joined. She married a, a royal knowing that it's a job. It's not just a marriage. It's, it's, a, it's a job that comes with it. And she didn't she said she didn't research what what goes on. And, and that that contributes to everything that went on. And, and I, I see that and think. It's a bit difficult. It's a bit difficult. Do you, th- do you agree with that, Albert? Do you think you would, if you joined the royal family, you would research what, what you were joining into and, and what yeah, came with I that? Think, I, I think one thing that's interesting related to that is that there's, there's been a lot of discussion about how like terrible the tabloids are and the impact that has on celebrities' mental health. And obviously one, one thing related to that is that, you know, Prince Harry didn't necessarily choose to be part of that. You know, you could say Meghan to an extent did because she got married to him and knew what mm. she was getting into, but you know, Prince Harry is only a celebrity because he was born that way, you know, like, yeah, yeah. regardless of what happens, he'll, he will always have been a celebrity. So I think, Mm. and that's the thing. And that's where my sympathy goes towards Harry. It it really does. I think Harry's the one who's been, who's, who's come out worse out of this. I think the fact that they've chosen to not do it, isn't that much of a problem for me. Like, I think the problem for me is just assuring that they don't get any money from us, essentially. Like, if they don't want to do work for the state, they therefore don't get yeah, any money. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and when it comes to it, you know, I, I don't agree. I don't mind them doing any of this, uh, you know, going off and, and not being a part of the royal family. I think that's a great thing to do. It shows a modern side of the royal family that you could optionally choose if you want to take up this role and the job that comes with it, which Harry has done. And I fully support him and Meghan for doing that. And I do like him. I, I do. I really do. I think they're great. And... The, but the issue is that, is that I've got with it is, you know, they go on and they start bashing, bashing the family and, and, and saying all this, all, all this stuff on there. And I think, you know, Philip, his granddad's sitting in hospital uh, or in a fridge or wherever he is because we don't know what state he's in. Um, and he's sitting there and I just think they could have timed it a little bit better. It did seem like they could have, they could have stalled it for a little bit if they did care. But then again, we've shown that I personally don't think Megan cares about the royal family. I don't think she does um and but that's it that's it's it but then again i look at it and think we've made such a big issue of this but realistically will this change any of our lives will our lives get worse or better from this no, no it will yeah, stay exactly that, the that same. Is, that's the main thing i think about this is i just i don't really care that much like, no exactly with all the problems that there are in the world at the moment this is up there with you know mm. the very least important exactly i'm a huge royalist and i love the institution that it brings i think it's great and i could argue all day and i know Albert, you could argue against me i'd love to have that debate about the royal family with you we, on, on ooh, we did already have we did already have it on this podcast have we are yeah. oh, it's a long time ago <laughs> too many episodes about it. um yeah, <laughs> yeah. um but and i do i love the royal family i love everything they do everything they bring they produce so much for this country but i do think that 
this whole thing is not as damaging as if the Prince Andrew accusations turned out to be true. That would be a lot more damaging. And I think the royal family are trying to deter away from that because I think they know something more. And I think hopefully in, that, in the future that comes out because everyone should be held accountable. But I think this is news, it's, it's forced news, it's made news, it's not actual news, I don't think. I think they're trying to make it a more of an issue than it actually is when it comes to the relationship. But then again, Meghan raising, bringing mental health into the forefront and what that brings is fantastic. And I think that needs to continue because it is such a serious issue. Oh, did you have anything to add at all or um no yeah i just sort of think again like i probably do agree that it's well no i definitely do agree that it's not the most important issue but um i do think it's a fairly one-sided one and i think that like obviously they've been very badly treated and the media if you, you know in your own words are scum <laughs> they are yeah. no, they are you know they, 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 the way they treat people and not just Meghan Markle everyone you know every yeah, single yeah. person who has something that they just they pick on people and it's not like people get their fair share of bad press it's, it's people get away with it and they then they continue the same 10 15 celebrities or high profile people they relentlessly pursue until it gets too far and and, and it, it's wrong it really is it's wrong and it isn't just like you know the the telegraph into that it's it's just tabloid media tabloid news it is a burden on society and people say free press but tabloid news is awful it really is i never work for one unless they gave me a really good job and then i would but um anyway um on to the second bit of news which is uh, which was a couple, about uh, 10 days ago now uh which was the budget um and obviously rishi sunak outlines his plan for a post-pandemic britain uh economically and it was a good budget, I thought, overall. I thought it, it highlighted the key points. Um, but obviously, the big one, which has caused a lot of furore uh, across the country, is the pay rise to nurses at 1%. I'm going to start with our Odysseus first. I'll get to Odysseus. What do you think of, of the budget in general and uh, the news of the 1% pay rise, which to some people looks like a bit of a piss take? I think the budget in general, my main concern is this whole furlough thing that, like, I think I heard that it had been extended to September which obviously like makes kind of little sense if we're supposed to not have any restrictions by the end of June. So that was, I don't know, just- I think, I think that's wrong. because of um, businesses won't be able to go back to full capacity straight away. So it just gives them that a couple more months to get themselves on their feet. Yeah. Um, I, I also think that, oh yeah, the nurses pay, oh yeah, this is the most ridiculous debate. This is what, this is exactly why, like some, some sort of debates like discussion forums should just be avoided altogether like <laughs> i overheard um you know just to be clear i would never listen to really any radio except for just music but you know someone else had the radio on and i heard them discussing it and i heard some people saying like oh the nurses are heroes i think we should give them loads and loads of money because they're really great and then there were some people who were saying oh we haven't got the money and it's just like these are just both just like the, there's there clearly should be a way of determining like how much um the nurses should get paid and like whether they should get a pay rise which is basically you know it should be based on uh, the amount of time that they're working and obviously their salary should be calculated as all salaries are essentially by the two factors of your human capital and uh who's paying you and basically how much money that person has and like don't get me started on the people that say MPs and nurses should swap salaries because that's <laughs> ridiculous for many, many reasons. Uh, but yeah, basically it should just be done by procedure, which it probably has been done by. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't agree with people that think that nurses should all be millionaires. We like them at the moment. Mm. You see, uh, yeah, I think I agree with you, Audie, on that. And I think 
when it comes to the nurses pay rise i think the government have balls up a little bit by saying one percent i think they should have just said nothing at all and said we can't afford it right now one percent seems like we're trying but we we can't it's, it's a bit the number one percent is a bit of a piss take it is i know that's how much they can afford i support that. i don't think they just they should they deserve a pay rise but they shouldn't get one right now we're in a, such an economic tight economic situation we should focus on getting the economy moving again for everyone before we start getting individual groups i'm not taking away from what the nhs nhs and the nurses have done and doctors they've been fantastic they've been heroes throughout this whole thing but this isn't the time for pay rises this is about getting the economy back up again and moving forward and i agree with you you know this the debate that has come around it was always going to be toxic when they announced it i don't understand why they even attempted it they should have just left it and said we'll, we'll revisit it in a month's time six months time or whenever and they've gone about it. And yeah, you're right. People are saying they deserve to swap wages with MPs. Well, that's a silly debate in itself. Both of these are set by independent boards, not by the government. So um, it, 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 nonsensical straight away there. And also, yeah, I, I just agree. With, I agree with you. Yeah, I do. This is getting really weird now because this is, I think well, you and me are turning into the same viewpoints every single week. It's getting, a, it's getting a bit, I think I might need to get a bit more controversial again. Albert, what do you think? Yeah, I I think it's, it's it's a very easily easy like simplistic argument about the pay rise to say like oh this shows that they don't care you know mm. I think the raw fundamental issue is like for years the Conservative government have been under undervaluing the NHS and you know lack, lacking in funding and underfunding the important bits of it so and of course when you look about all the money that the government has wasted during this pandemic on you know, PPE contracts, mm. Nightingale hospitals that were never used, testing, were, shows, et cetera, uh, et cetera. Okay. Um, so that's it. That's why it looks particularly bad that they wasted so much money and now they can't afford to do it. I don't think the Nightingales were a waste of money. They were, they were there. They were, if we, if the government didn't get those Nightingales, it, it would have been, imagine that, and we needed them. And the government right, now the, prepared the, for that. 30 million for a Nightingale hospital in Harrogate that's never been used. But just in case they're out there, it was always, it was always yeah, just in case. That was the thing. thing. Is, the problem with the just in case is that they never, ever had the staff to run them. Like there was no, any, no I get anyone I've spoken to who works in the NHS said they were never possible. It was never possible to run those hospitals. So the fact that they even existed is just, it was just there as a, like a government propaganda piece, essentially. Mm. To say like, look, we are really prepared. The only way that the, the NHS ever copes with the pandemic is by cancelling uh all non-essential or non-essential in brackets treatment, you know, which is going to cause endless problems in years down the line. But anyway, that's all of the debate. Yeah, no, I, to, no, I get that. Yeah, yeah. To go back to the budget, um, it is an interesting one as well with the whole almost role reversal. Like government's been putting up corporation tax, and Labour were complaining about that. In it, or certain some Labour MPs were against that. So it's just it's an interesting. Uh, it is, isn't it? It's really interesting yeah. how the government are now sort of spending in the midst of the biggest economic crisis this country's faced in 100 years. And they're, you know, essentially part of it increasing spending, but also cutting back on things which traditionally is traditionally conservative. I think the corporation tax is a fantastic move for the government. Uh, and, and not in the thing, I don't agree with it at, at all. But election strategy wise, in three years time, they could cut that down. And they will that will win some votes. And it will look great um for them the mortgage thing's great as well for young people five percent uh, mortgage um uh, deposit and i think that's fantastic for us that means we could we have the possibility now of getting on the housing ladder obviously none of us will have jobs because of the economic recession which is which is coming so uh, it doesn't really matter but um <laughs> I mean, the, one, the one thing i would say is that i know that 
you know, we're only meant to be talking about the, the budget and we talked about the restrictions a while ago, but I do think that the big, you know, we, we're seeing here how many cuts are going to be needed and new taxes and that sort of thing. It's basically based off 12 months of either constraining or entirely shutting down the economy. I mean, I, don't, don't we think that it's kind of ridiculous that we actually still have, like, so many restrictions? Like, the real issue, like, the real way of sort of doing better with this budget would have actually been just open up much earlier like i think that when you think that already over 20 million people have been vaccinated it's ridiculous that we're going to have months more of shutdown economy that means that we need more more harsh budgets like this one um and instead we should have actually just opened things a lot earlier because even if like there's changes in cases like firstly it's fairly unlikely to the amount of vaccines and then also just there'll be so, so few deaths anyway. I just think that we're sort of bringing a lot of this economic damage upon ourselves at this point. Yeah, no, I, I see that, Ali. I see that. It's um, obviously I'm all for opening up as long as it's done in a safe and practical way. But like I said, more people get vaccinated, the more they should speed up this thing. Because like I said, I mean, I'm I'm in Wales. Most of the listeners know that. And, you know, we're ready to open up on Monday, hopefully, some non-essential retail and hairdressers. Why is England a month later? You know, it, it doesn't make much sense, does it? It's a good point. I mean, you know, I need a haircut, so I do, and I, you should see me. I'm, well, I'm bald, so um, I can't do it. Obviously, listeners don't know what I look like, but I am bald. I'm bald, middle aged, and a woman. <laughs> I've got dreadlocks down to my waist, so you know, it's solid. <laughs> <laughs> Albert, has got an afro. He's, uh, <laughs> he's going anyway. Odysseus, have you got a new story for us this week from across the world? Yes, I have. Uh, I have a new story that is from Mexico. I've seen that in what is really a bit of a milestone for the people that want to decriminalise certain drugs, legalise certain drugs, and especially marijuana. Uh, it's very recent that uh, Mexico has just legalised or decriminalised uh, marijuana in that country. It's something that a lot of the public is still opposed to, but it obviously is big news, both in the sense that Mexico has a lot of drug-related crime um, and also just in the sense that Mexico is one of the biggest countries now to have just decriminalised uh, marijuana. And so I was interested to know what your thoughts are on both on marijuana and dr- dealing with drugs, but the sort of so-called war on drugs anyway. Well, I have a, I have a tough policy on drugs. I'm anti, anti-drugs. I am as a conservative. That's the thing. But then again, as on the, that's a traditional conservative policy. But then on the other hand, I would tax the shit out of drugs if it was legal and just make it so unpopular. But then if people do buy it, you're earning so much money for the to put into essential services. Uh, that's what I would do. But, um, you know, I think it's interesting. It's very interesting. Big country legalizing, legalizing marijuana. Marijuana isn't that dangerous at all, really. It's used in med- medicinal for thousands of years. Uh, it's, yeah, it's absolutely fine in, in my eyes to, um, to legalize. It's not going to harm much. Uh, but again, again, on the gangs, I mean, I'm looking forward, I'm well, not looking forward, and that's the wrong term, but interested to see how this goes with the gang. I know there's a massive gang problem in Central America. Um, so it'll be, it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm intrigued by it. I'm intrigued by it. I'm seeing how, it interest, how far it goes and, and does it solve the problems of, gun, uh, of gang crime in the thing? It should do, but then again, it could go the opposite way. So it is a big gamble. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that the... Um the drug laws both in the in the US and the UK in particular I'm not that familiar with uh, the US in particular and the UK not that familiar with Mexico but are like fundamentally not don't work and I think that like the fact that in the UK marijuana is classed as a class b drug like 
you know, amongst plenty of, higher than a lot of other drugs that are certainly more dangerous is, is very strange to me. And I'd certainly be in favor of legalizing it. I think that, it, that it's, it's been proven to work in quite a few US states already. Uh, I think it, the fact it's certainly no more dangerous than tobacco or alcohol, which are freely available. Uh, and yeah, I think that, yeah, as Harvey says, you could certainly make money from the taxes that could be used for other positive things. So I think it's a good step by Mexico. I think we should do the same thing in the UK. I wouldn't go that far in, in the UK. I think it's, I think it's, I, I want to see how it goes first, because there is things that go on. It, there's, there's, there's plenty of other examples of places where it has worked. Netherlands. Well, that's the thing. It, it depends. It depends how you legalize it. And that's the thing. And I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm sure you can tell me about the legalization. Have they legalized it just for shop or is it like growth as well in, in private? Uh, yeah, you can you can basically grow small amounts in your own house. But commercial production is also legal. So basically, I think the only thing that you can't do is you can't grow it in big batches unless you know what you're doing basically you see that's that's or where the law for me yeah that's where the law for me it, that's where it goes a bit difficult for me on what you're saying over in the uk i think you know we i think we should legalize it for you know mass production of you know companies doing it but then then again home growth just encourages people and gangs and stuff to undercut and and, and it and it encourages that so there is a fine line i don't know how you'd go about that i'm not a drug expert at all as uh, as much as my jamaican heritage would like me to think so i'm not a drug expert and um you know, I, I don't know. I don't know where you'd go from that, to be honest, but I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. I'm always open to the idea of legalization. If you do, do legalize it on a mass scale, though, Harvey, you are, you know, you're always going to have the risk of people growing stuff themselves. I mean, that that's the, that'd be the case with anything, you know, like, see, it's the case with people buying like knockoff commercial goods. Like, that's always going to happen. But the fact mm. it, it exists more in a commercial right, people are more likely to buy is it. it. Is it, Glasgow yeah, or, is it Glasgow is it Glasgow or, or uh, which is it just a whole of, I think it's Glasgow or something that have got a very, very liberal drugs policy and they've trialed a system now of essentially helping them use, let them have the drugs, but then they open up more support for them to get off it. Well, plenty of places. Um, apparently it hasn't worked. I think, I think it's, I think it is Glasgow. It rings a bell and it hasn't worked of, at all. I know there's plenty of police forces in the UK that have sort of decriminalized it where essentially for possession of marijuana, they won't, they won't prosecute people. Mm. Um, yeah, that's not a nation. I was just going to say, I mean, for a couple of things. Firstly, I don't think that I'd be that concerned about people producing it under the radar anyway, because firstly, they can do that when it's illegal. They will do that, I should say, when it's illegal anyway. Um, and also, it's much less of a threat that they do that if it's mass produced, because obviously, everything that's mass produced automatically becomes cheaper. So there's a lot less incentive to do that. But I also just want to say, like, you know, it'd be interesting to know what you think about this. But I, I like my opinion is, I think that all drugs should definitely be decriminalized for personal use. Like I simply cannot understand the logic of why anyone, like I can see sort of like why you'd say have like help for certain drugs, like even if that was in some cases more enforced help, but I can't see why anyone should be punished and could be getting a criminal record for like harming their own body and nothing else. I, I just, I think never have strain that it, that I think in this country, we, it'd be a huge strain on the, on our national health service and other services around that. If we did do that, it would be for, for an unnecessary thing, which can easily be stopped like, like it is now, you know, it's always going to happen. I know that it's always going to happen. You can't stop people from taking drugs, but we can stop it being a strain on our health service. And I think that's, that's what the priority has to be. I mean, fundamentally, as, as we said before, I, I agree with what it says as well, and that it, actually drug laws do have a negative impact as well by virtue of like in America, 
your chances are if you, if you get arrested for possession of drugs, you've, you know, the, the police use it essentially to arrest black people for no real reason. Um, in America, yeah. certainly. I, that could well happen in Britain. That's your claim, Albert. That, that, that is your claim, though. That's, that's, not, not, no, really that's not a claim. There's actually a claim. It is the truth. Like, yeah. That is uh, I'm saying is, I mean, that's not going to be fact-checked on this on the podcast. So it's, I'm putting out that it is a claim. There will be plenty of studies that will back that up. <laughs> so, so I'm quite happy to make that claim. But yes, drug laws are stupid and should be reformed. And I and I do agree with you, really, honestly, to say, to an extent. I think you would certainly have to ensure that, like, when people want help, they can get it because you don't want to yeah. like get everybody on these hor- on horrible drugs but equally yeah it's your choice you're mm. allowed to drink yourself to death all, all you want as long as you pay for it so mm. yeah well I, I disagree i think the, maybe in this country I, i'll be tempted to, to make the laws a bit tougher and and criminalize more people for it and uh, you know give that, them free that'll, meals just, that'll just mean i guarantee that i just mean more people in prison who shouldn't wait when you take criminalize more people who 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 else yeah, would you criminalize well not criminalize no make the tougher make the, the it for possession and things make the, the laws make, tougher you, you, that's you, so that's but that's that's the other side you know i'm i'm open i don't know much about it, so i'm not going to be making well that, that's absurd just claims but i'm i'll be interested yeah. to learn both sides of it and, I'll be prison there and giving people criminal records you know stopping them from getting jobs all this kind of thing it's just well, the minefield well, yeah, exactly. But then the other way is as well on the strain of the NHS. So it, it is, you know, both sides of minefields. It is an interesting debate. And I'd be interested to see how it goes. It, it goes in Mexico and, and elsewhere in the world when it does get legalized. But it is, it's very interesting and very progressive. Um, so moving on now to uh, the weekly segment of Room SW1. We're going to we're running out of <laughs> running out of, of ministers now. I think we're down to our last three or four. Um, so now we're into, before we go into the devolved ones like Northern Ireland and things like that, which I don't really want to do because it's incredibly boring. But um, we're going to move into now to culture, media and sport, which is one of my personal favorites. It's the most, probably the, the most useless cabinet position in the country. Um, I'll start with Albert first. Albert, who is your choice? Well, thinking about this, you need someone who's got experience in all three of these areas. So the person I've gone for is uh, former footballer, John Barnes. I went for John Barnes because he's had experience in sports. He was a former footballer. Uh, culture, he's been on TV, you know, doing punditry work, doing things like that. And, uh, you know, oh no, media, that'd be sorry. Uh, culture, uh, he was in his uh, fantastic rap in the song World in Motion, <laughs> ordered in for the 1990 World Cup. It's one of the greatest, you know, pieces of music of the last 20, 30 years. So, so. there with Shostakovich, Mozart, Beethoven. Yeah, he really is. So <laughs> I think he, he just has so much experience in all three that he would just be a fantastic addition to a team. Okay, Odysseus? Well, for me, you know, I'd like to start with a little quotation before introducing mine, which is, um, you know, from Vincent Company. He said, uh, Lionel Messi is someone who is absolutely unplayable. He's an alien, but he's nothing in comparison to Albert Jennings. My nomination is Albert Jennings for culture, media and sport. Uh, you know, I think that he's got the sporting element because he's just, an, as we heard from that quote there, he's a phenomenal football player. Absolutely exceptional. Uh, for culture, you know, for me, I have a very food-centric mind, so culture just means food. Um, and I think that it would be great to have Albert in charge of the food because he'd be like, onions, no, they're not allowed to be approved. Basically, you can, only, you can only eat like vegetarian pasta and that's basically it. Um, <laughs> Albert is a vegetarian for listeners as well. I just want to clarify and that. Then, it's a very, very obscure one, this other size. For the, uh, not, just, not just a vegetarian, but, uh, you know, a remarkably fussy eater. And then yeah, also for media, I think that for media is the host of Communist Corner, 
Jennings TV, Movie Night, the podcast, you name it, he's done it. Um, so I think Albert's a fantastic choice for culture, media and sports. Well, I, I, I've had a few choosing mine. I had a few few options. Um, Edwina Curry, uh, Tim Farron, there've been, been names that have been in mind, but I've gone for someone who fits culture, media and sport. And that man is Jeremy Clarkson. Um, Jeremy Clarkson, obviously, sport host of Top Gear, but in that bit of medium as well. You know, he's great, fantastic journalist. Wait, what's Top Gear that's got to do with sport? Well, cars is cars is a sport. Formula One, it's a it's a sport. Um, they do, do Formula One. No, no, he, no, they did touch in a bit of Formula One. McLaren. You said, you said about fact checking my statement earlier. I'd like to fact check the claim that Formula One is a sport. It like, is a sport. Yeah. Well, Lewis Hamilton won Sports Personality of the Year. I mean, yeah, if that doesn't yeah, say it's a sport, then it is definitely a sport. It does class yeah, as a sport. <laughs> Maybe not in your opinion, Albert, but it is. It is <laughs> not a sport. in my opinion. Um, and media, you know, he's a, he's a journalist in his time for the, the Daily Mail, the Telegraph. Um, I think the Sun for a while as well, which is not, I should really mention oh, that. That's not a qualification um, and he's a, And he's a man of culture as well, because when it comes to food, he does not like a cold steak. Um, <laughs> and true. and he knows he knows how to cook a steak. He knows how he wants his steak. And if he doesn't, he's going to go to big lengths, which means getting sacked from the BBC to make sure that he gets the food that he wants. So that's my choice of Clarkson. So let's go around a big bit of questioning now. So I'll start with yours, uh, John Barnes. Um, very good, very good footballer. I'll give you that. He knows his sport. Punditry. I've never really seen him on the punditry side. I don't think he does too much punditry to be able to class as, as media. I mean. He's he, yeah he's been he's been involved in a lot of punditry is what I meant like I'm sure he's been on match of the day two or oh Albert come on definitely been on he's definitely been on some FA Cup games I like, think I could make it onto match of the day two it's they're, they're begging other people to go on that <laughs> so he's he's just he's been on TV you know and he knows he'll know loads of people you know he knows he'll know Gary Lineker from the 1990 World we don't want him anywhere near the cabinet. But he's got TV experience. I'd rather have Gary Lineker than Jeremy Clarkson. <laughs> well, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Leave that. Um, culture-wise, he has got a great song out there. I that do is, agree. He's got a great song. It's a um, number one, number one hit. All yeah. things. I actually watched a TV show with, with John Barnes, and he did say that he was addicted to. He loves fried chicken always. That's well, bit, he, he's, he's that culture, right, probably, Albert. He's done some reality stuff as well, like that. Yeah, I'm sure, like. I can't think of it, you know, like Dancing on Ice or something like that. I'm sure he must have done a bit of reality TV. Well, anyway, um, Odysseus, uh, you've picked out our one and only Albert. Albert is probably up there. I think in the, in five people that I'm thinking of, which include dictators and people who have committed mass atrocities, <laughs> Albert is just below them uh, in uh, in suitability for this role. Um, shocking at sport, Albert, you'd be the first one to say that. Um, yeah. Very much a lack of culture in your life. You'd accept that as well. Uh, media, no, I, you do a lot of media, I, I, and I agree that you, you are you are you are essentially a journalist. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm a man of culture as well. I would like to think. Yeah, mm. you know, well, I mean, for example, when Albert went to Greece, he tried zero Greek dishes. Uh, you know, very yeah, well, not food culture, but you know, music <laughs> and films and the culture that matters. What's your favourite French film, Albert? Emily, <laughs> uh, for sure. Well, there you go. I think, I think, I think, that, I think that puts him down definitely in, in the culture section. Media, you're good at media. I say you are, you are essentially like like myself and and Odysseus to an extent, um, a journalist, uh, political and uh, entertainment journalist. Um, yeah. For for the media, thing is, don't you think that what the world needs at the moment is it needs someone who's just a bit of a trier? And I think when it comes to sport, you know, with, with Albert. He tries at football, he tries at snooker, he tries at badminton, he tries at tennis. 
Alba, you know, I think that Alba just personifies but what we Chris, need. And I think Chris Grayling tried at running the transport office, <laughs> failed running the transport office. We need success in here, especially when we've got yeah, all the people trying. We've got Piers Corbin trying to get arrested every single weekend. Alba, uh, the, the culture medium sports secretary gets free tickets to the, the FA Cup final. And I'd, I'd happily share my tickets with you guys, you know, if, uh, if I was. Uh, Whereas I, I don't think I don't think Clarkson would share them with you. Wow. Um, well, that's the thing. Let Jeremy Clarkson. And also, just one thing. I'm, just, just one thing to add there. You know, this as we transition into Clarkson is, don't you think it's good that you know, if you compare Clarkson to Albert, at the end of the day, all of the top gear banter was completely artificial and made up. Whereas, obviously, when Albert's involved in a project such as me, all the banter like, is artificial and made up. <laughs> no, it's no. We know that it, it's 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 real. Albert's you know much more. Uh, you know, real person, Jeremy. Well, that's Clark. it. Well, a week in politics off the clock, um, or off the record, shall I say, is a new series coming out where I give the spills of a week in politics. And I just say I give Albert and Osweiss all their jokes, the handwritten, <laughs> the pre-made by a joke mate, joke writer, um, <laughs> who I hire. Um, so, uh, so yeah. So Clarkson. Let's move into Clarkson. Clarkson is the dream choice. He's got everything. He's the most experienced, more experienced than John Barnes in all those things, apart from sport, possibly, but media and culture he is. Um, He's a man of, of many talents. He's a right-wing journalist. We need a bit more right-wing voice. Now, I did actually say, I just remembered, I did say all these choices would have to be women, but that's next week. Next week, every single one would have to be a woman. I did forget about that. We've gone for three men again, uh, which isn't great. But uh, next week, it will be all women to get that women representation there because at the moment, we have no women uh, in the in the cabinet. Um, yeah, so ask your questions. Why do you think Clarkson's a bad choice, lads, or, or a good choice? Well, I think the Clarkson would be a bit too busy, personally. I think that he's busy doing, like, the grand tour and who wants to be a millionaire and all these kind of things. But why can't we incorporate it in? Could well, we not I... have a cabinet version of who wants to be a millionaire? Could we not have the yeah. grand tour featuring Piers Corbyn? Well, and, I would rather go Chris Brown back on who wants to be a millionaire, actually. So, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. So that gets rid of Jeremy Clarkson. He's in this role. And I want to clarify that culture media sport is so irrelevant. It, it, it's the easiest cabinet role at all. It's got the best perks. You get to go to all the best sporting events in the country. Yeah, but um, well, that's, that's one thing against him, actually, is that Clarkson's already rich, so he could already afford to go to the FA Cup final if he wanted to. But so could John Barnes. Well... So could you, Albert, with your drugs, with your, with your marijuana farm that you started recently in Mexico? Yeah, no, yeah exactly. You see, I'm a, I'm a good choice there because, you know, I wouldn't be going to the FA Cup final regularly anyway. So you're, so you're going to use the job as like a treat? You, you're just going to do it just to get those free tickets? So I, well, if you're open admitted, you would use it to get free tickets? I'd want to take personal charge of, like, the UK's entries to Eurovision. Because I think that that's something that needs a lot of improvement. You know, we're putting in better, better, better. We just it's, that's all anyway. That's all political anyway. Um, we'd never win that, even if you put Elton John in. Uh, yeah, we'd I never think, do I think it. Elton would have a good chance. I think Clarkson. He's, he's uh, he loves his sport. He's a great journalist, and he loves his culture because we're basing culture on food. Let's be honest, because I don't give a shit about the art and music and things like that. It's about mm sport it's about food and he loves he loves how to you know he knows how to cook a steak he loves a steak and he would he's willing to fight to make sure he gets the best steak um and he doesn't care about the bbc hashtag defund the bbc he doesn't give a shit about him he's an amazon prime and he's a jeff bezos fat man now so uh, i think clarkson is an idol choice let's get into some voting now uh obviously as uh, the lead host of the podcast i get the deciding vote um so we'll start with odysseus who are you choosing um very difficult uh i think i'll vote for uh clarkson today 
Yeah, the Clarkson there. Uh, over to Albert. Well, I, I, I can never in that all good conscience vote for, con- for Clarkson. Just, you know, I love the BBC too. Much. You can't do it off your own political views. You've got to do it on the argument set out. Yeah, no, even even from that, like your argument that he hates the BBC <laughs> isn't, a good, isn't a good argument for him being culture media. It's, what, it's, like, it's the opposite argument to that. It's a good argument why it would be bad. Well, I'd, I think Clarkson would want to replace it with GB News. Um, yeah, well. Who are in talks of buying out a week in politics. So, you've, uh, you've sealed my vote there, Harvey. I have to vote for myself. <laughs> <laughs> you can vote for, for, for your own vote yeah, for one. Uh, well, mine, mine was between, uh, you see, this is the thing. And, and as a deciding vote, I can't bring myself to vote for Albert, I'm afraid. I think, Albert, you are, no offence, but you are the least qualified person for this role. I think you'd do a shocking job at it. So I'm going to go for John Barnes here. And yeah. as a deciding vote, I'm giving John Barnes the win. Um, because I think I think John Barnes, out of, out of Albert and, and out of yourself and, and John Barnes, I think John Barnes would be the safest choice. So John Barnes is now our culture, media and sport. Yeah, he, actually, he actually works for ESPN as well, I looked up. So. Well, that's all right. He, he's more qualified for the role. Um, um, but I, I do, I will say now that by the end, by the, when we finish Room SW1, I can guarantee that Clarkson will be in the cabinet. And I'm going to make sure of it. So one way or another, Clarkson is joining this cabinet. We need him. Well, if, you do, if you do as a woman, is it going to be Clarkson in a wig? Or... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or he looks like someone else's nan uh, when he's in a wig. He's got that sort of face. Um, so yes, yeah, so we'll get into that. But anyway, moving on to the quiz. Tim Farron, sponsored by the LGBT Foundation. The penultimate round. I believe the score is 3-2, I believe, to Odysseus. Um, so it's big. It's huge. So this one, we're playing Who Am I this week, back again. It hasn't been around for about 10 weeks, I don't think. It's been a long time since we've played Who Am I. So I've got some MPs or politicians or whoever. Um, I've got four clues about them. And I want you to tell me who they are. So four clues, if you get it on the fourth clue, first clue, you get four points. Second clue, three points. Third clue, two points. Last clue, you get one point. Obviously, the clues get harder, as easier as we get in. Um, there's also a little, little thing in here. There's also someone who isn't a celebrity. Uh, who, who is a celebrity, I mean, who isn't a politician, they are a celebrity, uh, who, who are in here. If you can guess which one is a celebrity, if you could say, guess a celebrity, you think, oh, this is not a politician, this is someone in the, of music, TV, film, then I will give you an extra point, which could come in handy with this one. So look out, think about it. There is a tiebreaker as well, in case we get there. So as Odysseus is winning, Odysseus, you are going second. Uh, no, you're going first game first um in this one so are you ready others yes so this person was born in 1943 in surrey are you going to take a pot for four points or are you going to ask for the next question i'll ask the next question this person is the former member of parliament for huntingdon yeah next question for two points this is the person who's a former foreign secretary and chancellor Former Foreign Secretary and Chancellor. Uh, yeah, I'm going to need the next clue. This person is also a former Prime Minister for one point. Oh, all, uh, oh I was only thinking of non-former Prime Minister. Right, so basically someone that's 77. Now, who's 77? Um, Didn't say if they were alive or dead, and I need to clarify that. You know. Okay, who would be 77? <laughs> um, need to hurry up here. You need to hurry up here, Odyssey. It's taking your time. Thinking. Hurry up. Five. Is four. it Margaret Thatcher? 77. 
No, it was John Major. No, Thatcher. Oh, Thatcher. why the guess would have been John Major? <laughs> Thatcher, Thatcher born in 43. I mean, she would have been like 20 when she was uh, gave an MP. No, it no was, she'd um... be 30-something. Well, no, when she became an MP, she became an MP in the in the sixties. Um, oh, I didn't know that. So yeah, so she'd have been seventeen in, in nineteen sixty. <laughs> um, yeah, so very young Margaret Thatcher. I'm joking. It, it was John Major. <laughs> so mean to everyone. I am. I am. Um, okay, so that was wrong. Um, very wrong. Uh, so over to Albert. Albert, this person was born in nineteen eighty two in Luton. Are you going to play for four points? Uh, now I'm going to the next one, please. This person joined the BNP in 2004. Oh, um... I'll go for the next one. This person shares a last name with a member of the Beatles. Uh... Uh... It was the last one, although... One point. They founded the EDL in 2009. Gonna have to hurry you. Yeah. It's the last one. You should know this one. I think it, they're called like something like Yaxley Lennon, I want to say. Stephen Yaxley Lennon. Well, Albert, it is right. It's Tommy Robinson. Tommy oh, Robinson. Yeah, yeah, is, 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 his name, his stage name is Tommy Robinson, but it is Stephen Yaxley Lennon, yes. uh, which is his real name, which I don't know what why it's called Tommy Robinson. No, I said all politicians. Oh, he's not even a politician. Albert gets one. He's not a politician. Well, are they still lost? He got one point. Uh, to be honest, I thought that was the easiest one out of the ones I've got. So over to Odysseus. This is, this is, so I give you two each here, and then we've got a tiebreaker as well because they do take some time. So this person was born in 1970 in Irvine, Scotland. Uh, yeah, next question, please. This or person's this person's mother was the former mayor of North Ayrshire. Next. This person's the member of Scottish Parliament for Glasgow. Is it Nicola Sturgeon? It is Nicola Sturgeon. Congratulations. My first guess would have been Nicola Sturgeon. I should have just gone for it. Well, that's the thing. You you all people always play on their on their um their instincts. And I say the fourth answer. If you can go for it based on the eight, where they're born and when what year they're born and where they're born, that's four points. It's huge. But the last clue would have been in 2014, became the leader of a major political party. So Odyssey, there we go. It's two one. Albert, you've got to go for this one. Um, like I said, you can play for the draw, go to a big tiebreaker, which the tiebreaker I think is very, very, very good. Or you can play for the win. So this person was born 1960, Manchester. Okay, we'll go for the next one. This person attended Manchester School of Art. Um, right, we'll have the next one. This person sold over 50 million albums with their band. The hurry. Yeah, let's give sorry, get for the next one. And their band's name has zero links to Labour. Gonna have to hurry here. Oh, is it um do I get an extra point for saying it's a celebrity then? Uh, no, you sort of missed your time to be honest. I was gonna give well, it if yeah, it was a bit of a Would I have just had to go like on the first one? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. I think it might be Brian Cox. Oh, it was Mick Hucknell. It uh, was Mick Hucknell. Odysseus has it's won I would, it's the penultimate I would, round. 
very close. Like, like uh, he's the band he was in. Like this song was used by Tony Blair. And hold on, hold on. I'm beginning breaking news from the people oh. above us at uh, a week in politics. Um, uh, HQ. Uh, the the board have said that they are disappointed with Odysseus's answer uh, to John Major, thinking that Margaret Thatcher was 17 years old. Um, and they're saying that it's disappointing. So they're saying that Albert, you have a there's a chance here. It's one all anyway, isn't it? No, it's not. It finished. Well, you got that wrong. So it was two one to Odysseus. But the board, the board, the board above are saying this. This is this is bad news. Albert's Odysseus messed up here. He's winning. So this is it. We're going to a tiebreaker. They said they wanted to take it to a tiebreaker. Albert, you're back. You're still in this. What were the two that Odysseus got correct? Albert got, I got no. I got two points for Nicola Sturgeon because oh, I didn't take right, yeah, the thing. Don't question the quiz master, Albert. No, no, no. Sorry, I sorry. But you are still in this because they were so disappointed with Albert Odysseus saying Margaret Thatcher um, that Albert, you are still in this. Tiebreaker, same rules as usual, sudden death. You have one first one to shout out the answer wins. But if you get it wrong, then you're out. Um, so this person was born 1959 in Bedford. This person was MEP for South East England. This person was Deputy Chair of UKIP in 2016. Nigel Farage? Oh, Deputy Chair of 2016. Well, I thought he might have stepped, I think he, I thought he like stepped down and that's when the, um, what's the Well, I ought to say is this person was the shortest serving UKIP leader. <laughs> Albert, Albert, you're out. You've, you've oh, not totally got the answer wrong. Odysseus got an open goal here. He's passed it to you with a, no goalkeeper in. The shortest serving, serving UKIP leader. leader. And I've got to hurry you. Five, is four, it, Is three. it Sarah Evans? I, I can't believe what's happened here. I can't believe <laughs> no, what's I happened. I know who it is. It's Sarah Giddings. But you know. <laughs> well, oh, God, you've, God. You've, got the, you've got the answer wrong, Odysseus. <laughs> I just said it. You've got the answer wrong. And Albert goes, so... On that thing, you got it wrong. Albert, I think you've won this week. It's Diane James. It's Diane James. I think because that's How did she get a second guess? That makes no sense. Well, you didn't. You, you didn't get it right. You came you we went back to normal again. Albert wins. Albert comes to a goal Ow. line clearance and a, and a goal. Albert that's Jennings, out. it's 4-3. It's 4-3 going into the last week, the final next week. And the final, there is going to be a twist. And I'm not going to tell you what it is, but there is a twist. And I do hope that you can all join us for that because it's going to be big. Albert, you're on the verge of winning your first cup. How does it feel? It feels good. Not Even sure though you're winning I... by a mass technicality, but yeah, it's keeping it exciting. Yeah, I'm not sure how it happened, but you know, I, there's been technicalities in the past, so I'm happy. So, but it's gone your way this time. It's yeah, gone it's your good. way. And on that bombshell, as Clarkson would say, um, I would like to thank Albert and Odysseus for joining us. We'll be back next week for a very exciting episode, the final of the Tim Farron Cup, and some more great news as well. So thank you for joining us, and we'll see you all next week.